Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 408. What we've been watching. Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, have you uh, gotten into the Winter Olympics fever? Um, I wouldn't call it a fever. Let's say a mild chill. I don't know. Um, I have watched a little bit of it. I watched the men's 20-kilometer biathlon this morning while I was doing some work. You haven't prepared was- for the freeze. No, no. that was actually surprisingly way more compelling than I thought it was going to be. I have to admit, that's the first time I've ever sat down and watched the entire, I went biathlon start to finish, and uh, it was actually pretty interesting. Isn't that like multiple hours? (laughs) No, the 20, actually, see, I thought it was going to take forever. I, like Eurosport had it on, and I thought, oh, this is going to take, it probably took an hour. Something like that. That's really quick. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a lot faster. I actually like watched the entire, I think a a few people had started by the time I started watching it, but all the, all the main people were just beginning. So I watched the, all of the medalists. I saw their entire rounds and, uh, it's kind of interesting because you do get this balance between obviously they're shooting, they, they fire 20 shots, 10 stand, 10 laying down and 10 standing. And it's a one minute penalty if you miss. And so you get this balance of there's obviously people who are less accurate shooters, but way faster in the actual skiing and then trying to make up, like compensate for them, the time that they lost. Yeah. Missed shots. It's kind of interesting from that perspective. I remember it from whatever the Winter Olympics video game was where you could like cruise through really quickly and just F up all your shots <laughs> and then try and just like outrace everyone. Yeah. The minute, I mean, I guess they have to. The minute seems like such a huge penalty. Yeah, I have to say, at least in the United States, it's been pretty tame. Like, I don't think anyone's watching it. I've been out a few times. I mean, the time difference is a real killer. But I've been out a few times where there were live events on at night. And, I mean, it's not really on television. No one's really watching it. I even heard, unfortunately, the opening ceremony was one of the lowest watch opening ceremonies ever, which, you know... It's very disappointing for me to hear that because I know how many people love the opening ceremonies. Particularly girls. Girls love Olympic opening ceremonies. They love it. But you know what? Maybe they've just been so bogged down by COVID that it just can't take it anymore. But the other thing that was kind of interesting, too, they said was there's probably a lot of just fatigue from the Summer Olympics ending so recently that people kind of aren't able to get into this yet. And maybe that'll have to take time for them to really get into it. Whereas with the summer Olympics, I felt as if there was such a buildup because it had gotten delayed and then it had gone, you know, and people were like, Oh, they're going to get the chance. They're going to get the chance. And there was all this buildup on TV. Whereas I didn't see any buildup for the winter. I didn't even know the winter Olympics started until I saw the, the women's hockey had started. (laughs) I kind of feel like the winter Olympics is a little bit like that every time. Like, I know it's kind of coming up, and then all of a sudden, it's just underway. There's no sense ever for me of, here it comes. I also think that's been hurt in a sense in recent Winter Olympics, because you had Sochi, then Pyongyang, or Pyeongchang, even. 
not Pyongyang, and then now in Beijing. So the fact that it's in Asia kind of adds to the element of it feels very distant. A, not only time zone, but you don't even have kind of regional buildup for the Olympics itself. So I think it's been a little bit hurt. Obviously, that's very North American, European centric from our podcast perspective, because yeah. nice if you live in Asia. But I do think it for a, an event where I'm maybe not as excited in the first place, the fact that it's in a different time zone and really far away makes me even less excited. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say the my favorite Winter Olympic sport which would have been the men's hockey, but now the NHL isn't allowing the players to go. So you have kind of not replacement players, but you have minor league players. So I, I have to say now the women's hockey is by far the best. And for one reason, one reason only the U S versus Canada rivalry is just so intense and they're on such a different level than every other team in the competition that they just demolish teams until they play each other. So I think the stat was out of the 26 world championships and Olympic games, 24 out of the 26, the finals was Canada versus the U.S. So in all but two, both of them were in it, which is crazy. Isn't that kind of boring, though? No, I don't think so. Because basically you could just do away with the Olympics and just say, hey, gold medal goes to whoever wins this. You could scrap everything up until that point. I mean, I think they should. And I know that. <laughs> no, the, the only nice you're developing the sport. Yeah, you're trying to develop, and and I guess, I mean, maybe some people take enjoyment in the fact that Canada beat Switzerland twelve to one and had seventy three shots on goal. So <laughs> maybe someone enjoys watching that, and then and then in a build up to watching a more. Hey, that's a game. nice. That's a nice uh, performance then by this from the Swiss keeper. Yeah, um, not not the best effort. <laughs> but I, I mean, at what point, though, if you have 70 shots on you, are you just like, come on, guys, for, forget this. I'm out. You know, no, like... no, I wasn't. I wasn't being I wasn't being sarcastic. Uh, if you've made, you know, 40 plus saves, because obviously not all of those will have been the keeper making a save. It's it's a pretty impressive performance. Now, Eddie, do you want me to do to you just... what you do to me? It's called goalie, Eddie, in hockey. Okay, sorry. Okay, sure. Goaltender, would you prefer I use that? Either one is good. Go go full. But yesterday was the first um, kind of round-robin USA versus Canada game, and it was nice because it was the nighttime, so, or I guess the daytime for Beijing, but nighttime here, so it was at 9, so you actually got to watch it. So I was up last night watching that and it was a good game. Canada won four two. Um, but it's, it's it's fun to watch. I mean they're they hate each other so much. It's 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 intense. So if they make it, which they probably will to the finals, that'll be a that will probably be one of the only things that I'll have marked that I want to watch. Like I wouldn't mind going out to the bar and putting that game on. There's not much other winter Olympic sports that I could be so so happy to go and do. Great Britain, after a very good Summer Olympics, I mean, the Winter Olympics for Great Britain is never that good. Even when it is good, it's, you know, we're only talking a handful of medals. They have yet to pick up a medal. And I think the women's curling team 
is in the bronze medal game. And that's, again, the BBC and other British it up. media outlets are trying to really... I mean, I do remember. I remember when the women's curling team made the gold medal game in the 2002 in the Salt Lake City games. And there was genuine curling fever Were you in there? the UK for that. Uh, no. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, again, I think I should have been there because I think I could instantly become at least the fourth best curler in Great Britain. Even though that they're winning gold medals. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the women's team, not the men's. But I, I mean, I think overnight, I think if if I set my mind to it, I really wanted to be in the next oh Winter my Olympics. God. I would love that. I wish Curling. this this is one of the few times so far I, I wish I still lived in Canada because we could have gotten you over and we could have put you on the the curling rink arena i don't know what it's not a pitch (laughs) the curling ice to figure that out before (laughs) i tried to become yeah because you can do it just like recreation recreationally you can go kind of like how you would go bowling you know you just go curling no but i want my first ever attempt to be like olympic qualifying competition I'll be, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, Eddie the Eagle's already taken, so I'll have to be a not Eddie the something else for my and have a movie made about me in thirty years. <laughs> that would be funny. I mean, look, there's precedent. He just taught himself how to be a a, a, a crazy driver. Am I thinking the right person? No, Eddie the Eagle. No, I mean there there is probably an Eddie the Eagle that, but Eddie the Eagle, he was a British participant who was in the um the ski jump oh yeah that's right okay i remember that and then they made, they made a movie, movie about right? him yeah. a couple of years ago yeah but he like had no experience and then i think until he went to i'm probably messing this up completely but i think it was until he got to something some stage like the olympic trials was like the first time he'd ever done it properly like on <laughs> snow up until that point he'd been practicing but through sort of makeshift measures speaking of Great Britain not doing well. Do you know what country has won the most winter medals all time? I'm assuming the USSR is you're breaking those medals up. Is that? Yeah. I I only know who the um, number one is, so I'm, I'm assuming yes. <laughs> I'll go Norway. Norway, number one. Yep. Nice. I mean, it's pretty impressive for the population size. I mean, I get that's all they do. I get it. But still. Yeah, it's constant winter. But still. So, <laughs> I mean, Canada is know. too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it is. Look, there's there's these small European countries where you really think about it, their ability to compete on. Because, I mean, it's not. The Norwegian football team's pretty good. You know, you got Erling Haaland. Uh, you know, there's. You know, they're, they've made World Cups. They compete. You get the occasional tennis player who's not too bad. Like There's a handful of really small European nations when you think that they're punching way above their weight in terms of competing in, at an international level in sports relative to their population size. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the U.S. is number two, actually. Now, in, in less uh, positive sports news, on our previous episode, we discussed... Uh, Mason Greenwood's ongoing. Uh, Are we allowed to say that now? Legal. 
legal issues. I mean, yeah, I think we've got to the point where we can say his name okay. for certainly, certainly. Um, plus the podcast not hosted in the United Kingdom, I don't think. I don't know where our servers are based, but... It, international waters. <laughs> yeah, like, so yeah, just a and, ship that travels, floats. And it's like, the, what's the movie with... Uh, oh, this is going to be really bad. The guy who's now dead, the actor, the, the fat actor, um, he played Capote. Oh, um... Philip Seymour Hoffman. Pirate yeah. Radio. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Got it. Um, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's us. Um, I don't know if you saw the Pirate latest podcast. drama. I like it coming out of the coming out of the Premier League, which is uh, Kurt Zuma's animal abuse. I don't know if you've seen any of the I have not information relating to this. A video emerged of Kurt Zuma picking up his cat and drop kicking it across his kitchen that's so terrible which the issue i have with it is not only that he did it it was filmed obviously this film the video you know it's not it wasn't secretly filmed he did it to amuse his family the family all react as if it's the most hilarious thing they've ever seen his son loves it uh but there are calls for him to be uh obviously legal prosecution already the the police have said that they won't be pursuing uh they won't be pressing any charges then in addition to that for his club west ham there's been pressure from uh for the west ham to take disciplinary measures and for the the premier league to do so as well and then also for west ham fans to boycott games until now i mean these are all people saying it i don't think there are going to be many west ham fans who boycott football matches because Kurt Zuma kicked the cat because again as we often talk about there's a lot of athletes professional athletes who do pretty awful things so if you did start boycotting because of that I think you'd probably never attend a professional sporting event again yeah that's uh it's just, people are just fucked up <laughs> I don't know like I don't why why are you doing that I just what is wrong with people well, especially because it's his cat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, not that it would be, not that it would be justifiable, but if he just picked up a, a random cat on the street and kicked it, and then his excuse was he hates cats. I'm not saying I'm I'm, I'm okay with. Oh, it, if he hates them, least, then it's okay I, to do that. Great. That's no, how wars can at least, have been started. I can kind of wrap my. <laughs> I can wrap my head around it a little bit more, but the fact that it's his own cat, and and he has another cat that appears in the video. So he has, he owns multiple cats. So was the, the other cat amused and laughing have, as well? Like probably. Or happy that it wasn't. Yeah. But no, I mean, and he doesn't like, he's a Premier League footballer. He doesn't full on just punt it across the kitchen, but he gives it a proper kick. Like it's not a, it's certainly not a pleasant video. It's not Michael Vick level of animal abuse, but it would be uncomfortable if you were around it. Well, I guess we can go to a little bit of a lighter topic then, unless you have any more uh, police blotter to, to, to release in the athlete world. Not yet. Okay. No. Oh, well, I mean, well, kind of. I mean, there was obviously the post, uh, the scuffle in the post with uh, Alvin Kamara in the post uh, Pro Bowl. Yeah, I don't know in what. Vegas. No, I thought it was the night before the Pro Bowl, wasn't it? No, it was after. It was the Sunday. Oh, okay. I. I all yeah. I saw was that he had been charged 
but I didn't hear the actual story of what had happened. I assumed it was just like a bar fight yeah. from the sound. Uh, of yeah, it. it was in a club. Yeah. He assaulted someone in a club, but which means it was probably I mean, just look, a fight in the club. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, it was probably some idiot being annoying to NFL players in a club and eventually wrong yeah, again, he should have better sense. Yeah. Because, because he's making millions, this guy's and millions probably of dollars. The- he just got paid to go to which we'll get on next, the worst skill pro bowl the worst event i've ever watched in professional sports he got paid handsomely to go attend that i think they just got to do away with the pro bowl i think just ultimately the sport doesn't lend itself to any kind of all-star game weekend because players just don't want to get injured the timing as well the fact that it is the end of the season if you did it mid-season and then there were skills competitions, maybe the athletes would take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, I think it's. You think no? I I think you'd have less participation because in season, no one wants to get hurt because no one wants to ruin the rest of the season. I like. No, but I mean more. I even mean more from the gimmicky skills competitions, like a quarterback throwing at some targets. He's not going to end, you know, realistically, barring something very unusual, they're not going to injure themselves doing that. But they don't care. And I, think it's, I don't think they'd, they'd ever care. Yeah. I, I think you're touching on the point. But at least, but, but at least if it's when it's the end of the season and it's like, hey, you didn't make the Super Bowl. And, and for some of them, you've just lost in the playoffs, you know, in, a, for, in, in some instances a week before. But, for a number of them in the last couple of weeks, their seasons have come to an abrupt end. And then you said, and now come now come to Las Vegas and have a weekend where you focus on showing off your skills. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think moving it into the middle of the season would help. I, I kind of am with you. I think they may, maybe just need to get rid of it. Or they need, I think the main issue, at least with the NFL, is the players just don't give a shit. And it's unfortunate, but I honestly think they could literally care less. Whereas, so the best example is the NHL skills and all-star game takes place the same weekend and actually took place in Las Vegas as well, which I thought was a pretty big missed opportunity. They could have done some like cross sport thing would have been interesting to see a little bit. And the only one they had, I think they had, I think David Carr came on for the skills challenge. Uh, and like threw a pass in one of the skills challenge events or something like that. But anyway, that's a, a side note. You watch the NHL and one, they do the skills event so well. It's exactly what people want to see. They do some gimmicky stuff that you're like, this is kind of dumb, but pe- kids might think it's funny or something like that. But they still do the like the ones you want to see. You want to see the fastest skater. You want to see the hardest shot. You want to see the the best shooting accuracy. You know, you want to see the goalies do like their their breakaway saves. And they give you all that and they do it well. They pick the best people. You know, like when you have the fastest skater, it's literally the fastest guys in the NHL. It's not like the first four bowed out because, you know, they didn't want to get embarrassed that they were going to lose. Like Connor McDavid still does it and he hasn't won in two years and he gets super bitter when he doesn't win, but he'll still do it because, you know, he wants to do it versus... In the NFL one, they had the fastest man competition, 
and they put Tyree Kill in, and he literally did nothing more than a half jog. It was the stupidest fucking thing I've ever watched in my life. But again, it, it doesn't lend itself. The hockey thing, hockey and, and even the NBA, their all-star game and the skills competitions that you see around the all-star game. I mean, I think in the NBA, the all-star game itself is a joke because I have no interest in watching, you know, again, two sets of players go through the motions and score 180 points each just because they don't really care. But the actual, you know, like people care about winning the three-point contest yeah. or the slam dunk contest. And those things are cool. Again, I, if I'm running the NBA, I get away, I get rid of the actual game and just have the three-point contest, the slam dunk contest, the kind of skills competition that they have with the passing and stuff that the point guards do and all that. I'm That's the only thing I have. But those sports, both hockey and, and basketball, it feels like, you can have those skills competitions that are interesting. Football, it's kind of hard to have. The quarterback stuff is kind of cool just to see how accurate their throwing can be when they do that. But for almost every other position, you know, it's not that interesting. Like, okay, the fastest guy, but in the end, you're just watching a sprint. Like, it, yeah, but that would be the hockey so thing's cool. Still do, cool because do you know how big that would be if you actually had the five fastest guys? from that season who made the pro bowl from like their mile per hour on the field or whatever that the next gen stats gets and you put them in a race that would be one of the biggest watch things in all of the i think all the sports skills competitions if you had the five legit fastest nfl players line up it would be fun to watch because there would be so much trash talk there'd be so much afterwards like the whole rest of the year the one guy would just be trash talking whoever he beat but then they tried to do it, and it was Bradley Chubb, Micah Parsons, uh, one of the Diggs brothers, uh, wasn't Stefan Diggs, it was the uh, the defender, and Tyree Kill. And Tyree Kill, I, I mean, literally jogged. He didn't even get in a stance. At, and that's what's annoying is if that's what he was going to – like, this is what bothers me about it is it's as if no one gives a shit. Like, they had to have known Tyree Kill wasn't going to run – full speed four days after he had just lost the championship game. So why put him in there? Tyreek, are you going to run? No, man, I'm not going to run. Okay, cool. We're not going to put you in it. We're going to put someone who's actually going to try. Or if it was like the Micah Parsons, Bradley Chubb, then get two other linemen then. Get two other fast guys. I just, I don't want to see a sprint between, like, I think it'd be I cool. barely watch, I barely watch actual sprinter sprint. But would you rather watch a watch sprint NFL of players fast athletes or like a sprint of them i would rather not even running do you know what don't I'd, do it that's what i'm saying i would rather watch i would i would rather watch defensive linemen yeah have a sprint. that's fine and and i mean that would that would be more interesting because i know wide receivers in the nfl are super i know tyreek hill is really fast and twice a year i've got to watch that 200 meter video get replayed and with the tracking of Usain Bolt's time and stuff like that. I, I know how fast he is. I'd be more interested in watching a 400 pound man run uh 200 meters yeah, no, and just seeing listen, how many of them even complete I'm, it. I'm fine with that. But like what, like I think what bothers me is the fact that no one is participating. Even the people who are putting this on aren't even doing a good job of, of like encouraging the people to even participate. 
that's what's annoying is like you get you get to go to the skills competition and then they're literally not even giving 40% effort. At that point, don't have them there because it, it's just, it's, it was so dumb. I just to think watch. the NFL, I think you've got to get rid of, I mean, and part of it too, right, is the things that they used to do, like the, when they used to do the. Um, so I'll tell you what they the, did this year. I can tell you what they did. They did. No, no. I mean, I don't think we need to run through. Well, there's the only like four events when we're. <laughs> it was the. But when we're telling the him, quarterback, when we're talking about how bad the events. The quarterback are. accuracy, which was kind of neat, and that was fun to see. And what was nice to see there is Russell Wilson just demolished everyone else. It was he just was like at another level. That was cool. Mac Jones sucked. Um, and then they did similar to like a dunk. They did a best catch, you know, like like with props and things like that. Yeah, that's stupid. stupid. So stupid. That's stupid. Fastest man and dodgeball. The dodgeball is kind of cool. I can get into the, they don't really take it seriously enough. No. I'd like to see them get really into yeah. it. But the dodgeball as a concept, again, taking them away from like actual, all the football related skills stuff. It's just boring. Like I'd rather watch a field goal contest where none of the participants are kickers. Like if, you know, if you get someone like Ochocinco, who, you know, always wanted, claimed he could kick field goals, I'd rather watch a kind of finding five guys like that who are position players who think that they actually would be a decent punter and have them have a punt off or, you know, like a, field, a penalty shootout with field goals. I would find that more compelling, like more interesting than watching them do things that they normally do. But fundamentally, it just... They can kind of get rid yeah. of it. I mean, why can't they just no do like cares. longest throw like they used to? Everyone would like think that would be kind of cool. Like it's a very simple one. Why would you get rid of it? <laughs> but it, but I mean, I guess in a lot of stuff they used to do got in got ruined through injuries, right? Like they used to do that uh, football game in the sand. Yeah. Right with the rookies. That was cool. And then then there was and then there was the one bad knee injury. Yeah. Where one of the players like did did his ACL, and then it's. Well, that's done. No one's ever going to do that again. Yeah, and I mean, it's just no one, no one participates, and that's what's annoying. Is you don't even have all the players there. Only like thirty percent of them even go, and then they don't even try. So, like, why do it? It's just, it's just a waste of time. And then also, I mean, for the game itself, the fact oh. that it's now just two hand touch. It's not even. I don't <laughs> even know if it's two hand it touch. Is. It's just like they randomly it blow is. the whistle. When they think a player's kind of close, but then sometimes he just runs through yes. them and scores a touchdown. <laughs> like it didn't make sense. Yeah. There was one interception where three people touched him and he just kept running and they're like, oh, touchdown. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> no, no, if you're just committed to the idea, <laughs> which I guess is a little bit what uh, uh, Mac Jones sort of tried to do on his, his uh, run. touchdown yeah. run. But yeah, if you do. Yeah, if you do just commit, if you're just like, I'm just going to run in and let's just see if they're bothered enough to pull, like call me back. Yeah, the only uh, the only interesting uh, yeah. one there it was, was, it was Chubb, the running back Chubb. They called a few run plays, and you could tell Nick he kind of wanted to play a little harder. So there was a time where like one of the players kind of like two hand touch wrapped him, and he just kept running through. And the guy, you could tell the guy was like, "Dude, what's going on? Like this is two hand touch." And then another defender came in and gave him a decent shot, and then. You could tell Bradley Chubb was like, all right, let's run it again. And then he ran it again and he did the same thing, like put his head down and the defensive players were not happy. But like, okay, then why why we why do you even run? Just play seven on seven. 
at that point. Don't even put Lyman out. Play seven on seven. Yeah, it would be even it'd be even dumber. Uh, I I think they just it was the worst thing no I've ever watched. It, I watched ultimately. I watched a quarter and it was the worst. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh well. They'll never cancel it, but they yeah. should. The hockey one was fun. Speaking of other, th- <laughs> speaking of other things that maybe should be done away with, I don't know if you've seen any of the drama coming out of Australian cricket, where the Australian men's cricket team has just uh, fired their head coach Justin Langer. This is on the back of them winning the Ashes and also winning the T Twenty World Cup a couple of months ago, and fundamentally, it appears that he. He's too old school and just couldn't get along with the players and the kind of development of player power has meant that he, the way he's trying to manage players is not in line with how newer players think that they should be dealt with. I found it interesting because seemingly everything kind of started to fall apart with him. Amazon did a series about the Australia, the last ashes tour when they came to England and as part of that tour, he, the coaching staff, independently negotiated their deal with Amazon, and then the players negotiated their deal. And it turned out that the players got paid 40000 Australian dollars more than Justin Langer. And he found this out, and obviously he got quite upset, because I think basically he felt like he was the kind of central figure in the series. Was he, though? And... He had yeah, the most screen time. He was kind of the main focus. Yeah, he was kind of the main focus. Okay. And when he the on the day he found out that he had been paid significantly less, the players were supposed to be meeting up to have a kind of walkthrough, sort of non-difficult training session, just watching some tape and discussing things. And instead he scrapped that plan. And in like a hundred plus degree heat in the Australian summer made them just run sprints and do burpees and a bunch of other stuff to the extent that two of the players threw up during the, the, during the training session. That's awesome. And afterwards, all of the players were certain that the only reason he'd made them do it was because he'd found out that they'd been paid more, but like, this is totally unconfirmed. It's just sort of, Confirmed, unconfirmed, if you see what I mean. Like, there's no other explanation for why it all happened. But as a result of this, so they, a lot of players, Justin Langer was part of one of the greatest Australian cricket teams of all time. So he has a number of ex players who have come to his defense saying the way he's been treated on the basis of the success he's had. It kind of raises an interesting question from how you assess a coach. Because purely based on results, there's no way he should lose his job. You know, when you've delivered an Ashes series and a World Cup, it's kind of nothing more that you can do. But so it's kind of the the results versus how well you get along with your players or everyone else. How is your performance being assessed? But he's had all these players coming to his defense, ex-players, no current players. They're not defending him at all. But a few older ex-players have then asked, do you even need a head coach in cricket? Like, can basically the players make the on-field, the captain makes the on-field decisions as to who bowls and when and how the field settings are. 
I thought it was a kind of interesting discussion. And I want to ask you, are there any other sports where you think you could basically scrap the head coach? I mean, baseball immediately springs to mind that do you really need a manager? But I don't know if there's any other sports where you think head coaches are unnecessary. I think, I think most sports, they are a little overvalued. Fo- football, NFL, uh, American football, for sure, you need a head coach because there's play calls. You need to have people up in the booth kind of real-time assessing what the defense is doing, what the offense is doing to make adjustments. That's one of the few sports that you definitely need coaching. But I look at, I mean, look at basketball. Do you really need a head coach? Do you don't think LeBron could run the Lakers just as poorly as they're being run right now? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think, yeah, look, I think tomorrow, we've discussed this on our previous, we had this theory with former co-host Sam, right, where... I think I insisted that he could become a, ba- a manager in the in Major League Baseball, and it would take people a, a while to figure out that he had no idea what he was yeah. doing. I think, yeah, I think if you if you made either one of us either a Major League manager or an NBA head coach, I mean, obviously the players would notice because there must be things that they are doing in terms of how they're running meetings and plays they're calling or developing and like just their confidence in a huddle where we look out of place, but fundamentally I agree with you. I mean, if I become the golden state warriors head coach tomorrow, I think I can kind of get things to work for a while. And I think your story actually um, makes it more believable because I kind of agree. You're starting to see a transition in the way players are and want to be coached where, you know, ho- hockey's a great example. 20, 30 years ago, coaches were like the hardest, toughest guys there and would just, you know, run their players to the ground, you know, would kind of treat them almost shitty to try and motivate them, you know, kind of get in their head to try and build them up because they thought, you know, if you pissed off a player, he'd play better. And that, you know, that was kind of that tactic back then. Whereas nowadays, the way players, I think, want to be treated, like you're saying with this with the Australian cricket coaches is that, you know, you're not having that motivational tactic as much. And it's more just a managerial role in the sense of kind of just like corralling the team together and making sure they're kind of on a focus. And if you have a good enough captain yeah, who well, can keep a team on focus, then, you know, there's not much for the manager to do. Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense for anyone in the normal business world, what might now get referred to as soft skills becoming increasingly important for coaches and managers in professional sports where it's not necessarily your technical ability to help the team be better, but your ability to manage the egos and the personalities within the team. And yeah, and it would be interesting to see, would you rather have someone who had, and again, varies from sport to sport i think you're right in the nfl if you had no idea about football but you're just a really good man manager i think you're still screwed but in a lot of sports if you were just a very good man manager and able to get everyone to get along get on the same page you know all pulling in the right direction whatever cliches you want to throw out i think you'd be more successful there 
than being just super technically gifted, but to have no ability to actually interact with the players to a, and get them to be enjoying their lives. I mean, Eddie, they've made an Emmy-winning show about it that we review episode by episode. <laughs> it's true, yeah. I mean, t- yeah. Ted Lasso is the I mean, perfect Lasso... fictional example of taking someone who's good at the soft skills and good at the just kind of the team morale building side and not needing any of the technical expertise and and still being successful, although they were relegated their first season and <laughs> so i don't know if it works <laughs> even in the fictional but don't world, you remember that time <laughs> don't you don't you remember that time though that one of his coaches came up with the genius concept never never seen before of parking the bus and and then and now he's the head coach of west ham <laughs> just because of that one move <laughs> Just to get really defensive, and he knew if they were really defensive that they yep. could hit them on the break. So the yeah, fictional world was... of Ted Lasso is is highly into this topic, apparently. And speaking of Ted Lasso and just TV, obviously we haven't kind of spoken about film and television much in recent weeks with just so much sport going on. And obviously for our listeners, if you're listening to this episode, the our Super Bowl, our big Super Bowl preview will be out the day after this episode lands. So obviously depending on when you're listening to this, but that will be our main focus, sports focus. But maybe this is a chance for us to talk about some of the TV, a number of big shows, you know, beginning of the year. It's a big time for a lot of streaming services in terms of the new series that come out. Maybe it's an opportunity for us to speak about a couple of those. Yeah, I've actually been watching a decent amount more TV than I usually do, especially this past weekend, because normally I go on hikes on Saturday, which they're usually longer, about three, four hours, and they kind of drain me the rest of the day. But I was too hungover from Friday night, so I didn't go on a hike on Saturday. So I kind of spent most of the day just hanging out, watching TV. And then Sunday, I play hockey, but I had broken my skates on Tuesday, and my new skates have not come in yet. So I was unable to play hockey as well. So my entire weekend was basically just devoted to watching television. Yeah, I've got through a decent number of the new series. So I guess the big ones, Ozark, we kind of mentioned that a couple weeks ago. I've got through all of Ozark. Season four, part one. Yeah. I've got through most of Boba Fett. The book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And think that's it for me on the new tv series the other one that we're about two-thirds done with is yellow jackets and that's i want to say probably the best show i've seen in the past calendar year it is really really good and i don't it's it's just so strange it's kind of like lost and kind of like stranger things and kind of like neither of them, it, it's it's really good. It's it's a very interesting show, and it's pretty suspense, suspenseful and kind of scary at some points, but then kind of like a coming-of-age story and nostalgia, and it's got a little bit of everything in it. It's really well done. So that's definitely my suggestion. I, I don't know how it's going to end, so it could end terribly, and I, that could the opinion could change dramatically. 
But from what I've heard, they've kind of nailed the ending. So I'm kind of excited to watch the last few episodes. I have not seen it. Probably will not watch it. I think you should watch it. But then (laughs) I guess we can say now, spoiler alert, if you are planning on watching any of the shows we are about to discuss, probably some of the elements of the plot are about to be revealed. So switch off now. I can't uh, believe they killed the kids Ozark in Ozark. Then. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Ozark. What were your thoughts on the new season? It is still a really well done show, and I really enjoy it. We've discussed, I think, on a previous podcast about how this is another show that kind of went from a super realistic concept to a slightly outrageous sequence of events that's currently unfolding that just keeps getting worse and worse but they do a good job i mean it's a good it's a good story and you're entertained and it's suspenseful they really know what they're doing in terms of kind of leaving you with cliffhangers and and kind of not tidying everything up at the end there for the last part my only the only thing i dislike about this season is the way that they created a lot of the drama and the plot was based off of the son being an absolute idiot for how smart he supposedly is. And this whole teenage angst plot line that drives everything is just so infuriating that this kid they tell you is smart enough to run offshore accounts of over what over he says, like a hundred thousand dollars worth of, offshore accounts he has going off on his own but he can't understand how serious the mexican mob is that they will in no hesitation kill his entire family and he still could give two shits and just says what he wants to say and does what he wants to do like that bothers me that just that whole teenage angst side is so overplayed and it's so unrealistic it's so annoying yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's not a TV show that overall is grounded in reality, as far as I'm aware. Maybe maybe there are people in the Ozarks money laundering for the cartels and living out the lives of the family. The two characters who annoy me the most, I agree with you, the son, for the very reasons you just mentioned, and then also the mother, the Laura Linney character. Her inability, or just her insistence on it, every time making a situation worse just because her ego comes up and she just has to insult the other person or kind of reveal the plot you know like expose to them they're completely unaware of the things that are going on behind the scenes but just so that she can feel as if they know that she got one over them she has to tell them every time and i get that it's a character flaw and it's but it's just consistently a way of driving things from, hey, look, everything's going smoothly. Everything's going all right. And then, uh-oh, no, now the mother has to put her foot down and go to the the rival and tell them how they're winning and how great it is. I find that at times to be slightly tiresome. And I just find her character perhaps done entirely intentionally. But it's one of those times when I just find it uncomfortable to watch it just like it's too much for me almost in just how insistent they are on her messing things up just with her ego 
Yeah, I I completely agree. I I think maybe I have to imagine it's deliberate and intentional that it's been ramping up and it's getting worse. You know, I, I I'm hoping that as they're writing these seasons, they're saying let's have her be like more greedy, more power hungry, you know, more egotistical as these episodes go, because it's just, you're right. It's getting worse and worse to the point where it's like, even the cartel leader isn't that egotistical and saying some of the stupid shit that she's saying, like even he checks himself, you know, especially when when he's around his nephew, wherever it is, you know, he's, he knows when to be arrogant and he knows when not to, but she just has no filter. And I think at this point, for me, at least, they're leading up to the fact that she has to die. For me, if she lives, I will be disappointed. I think they all live. I hope she dies. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. I honestly do, too. It would be I very hope. satisfying to just her her mid-rant just get shot in the head. Yeah. Just... Like, just like right the in part the middle of style. one of her annoying rants. Like so uneventful. Yeah. And then they just and then the elevator door closes and you just never care about her again. <laughs> exactly. I mean, she the actor, Laurelini herself, is doing a great job of it, but the character is very annoying. Yeah. And yeah. And and I even find with Jason Bateman's character, there's this kind of mix of him being this super passive just a complete, you know, doormat, people just walking all over him. At the same time, trying to reconcile that personality trait with the fact that he's managed to develop a quite successful career within the Mexican cartel. So I know that he mostly does that by just focusing on what he does well and the accounting and the money laundering and not being involved in anything else. But still, fundamentally, the fact that he's kind of vacillates between being totally spineless and then every once in a while kind of being able to function like a normal person. I find that switch in character trait to be a little bit annoying. I enjoyed the season. It does feel like a show that probably has run its course and that just its popularity is has meant that they're bringing it back because they needed, you know, it was a it's a cash cow and they may as well. And that in reality, this probably should have probably should have been one season, maximum two. And here we are in season four. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still one of the better shows on TV. And I I at least enjoy the fact that they planned an ending, I think, towards season two. I believe he said that they had decided, you know, this is kind of how it's going to end. At least they, they knew what the ending was going to be and was working towards it, which is nice, as opposed to a show like Lost that kind of just was a great show but then just kept going and going and going and it had no idea where they were going until they got to a point of no return and then everyone hated the last season but yeah i like jason bateman's character i don't mind that the other issue is i actually want to ask you about was the very first scene of the season you see them in that car crash do you remember that yeah do you yeah. like that idea because then the rest of the season, or at least up until that point were to come again, which it hasn't hit yet, you know they all are alive and going to be safe. Yeah, to be honest with you, I almost forgot about the car crash. I think a lot of people do. Because it just, 
because it, it kind of just happens and then you're not sure when he, when you first see it, you're not exactly sure when it is supposed to have taken place, obviously. So there is that element of, am I about to see what happens at the end of this episode? Like I remember sitting down to kind of rewatch the season. There was even a part of me where, where I thought, is this something that happened at the end of the last season? And I didn't remember it. Cause you know what I mean? Like I couldn't, cause I never do the recaps. So there is that part of, all right, I've not watched this show in a year. What have I forgotten? And then I, pretty much until you've just mentioned it, I completely forgot that that car crash scene even existed. Uh, so I guess in some respects it had zero impact on my viewing of the show. See, it did for, it did for, for me because part. in the back of my head, anytime there was something suspect happening with one of the main characters, you instantly knew, well, they're going to live because they haven't crashed That'll the car yet. <laughs> yeah, it's true. In general, I think the flash forward premise is kind of overused at the moment in TV. And I also find that I then find myself watching shows where I don't know if we're flashing forward or flashing backwards or where oh, we now are. Now we're talking lost, They're Eddie. Dep- now we're talking lost. <laughs> One of the most epic I even find this lost. a little bit. I, I find this a little bit even in, um, we, we can get on to the book of Boba Fett. I find that a little bit in that where I was uncertain for a while were we flashing forward? Were we flashing backwards with the whole concept of him, you know, when he's with the Tuscan kind of coming Raiders. out of the, exactly. I didn't know when that was taking place in the timeline. If this is something, cause he has the, when he comes out of his little water chamber thing at one moment, he makes the comment, Oh, I had that dream again. So then I didn't know, is this a premonition of something that is going to happen to him? Or is this him having a dream about something that's already happened to him? As it turns out, it's obviously something that's already happened. But it took several episodes for me to be certain of that fact. Yeah. In his Bakta tank, as it's called, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not really in on on Boba Fett. It's it's a very telling sign when the two best episodes of the season are the ones that are actually episodes from season three of Mandalorian that they've decided to t- tag See, in. <laughs> I, I hated those. See, I thought those were way better. I, Cause I, I mean, maybe, I maybe it's those. unfair. Do, do you know what I don't Go need ahead. to, do you know what I don't need to see? I don't need a 15 minute, just people making a spaceship scene. <laughs> that was the most. That was kind of weird. I may have ever seen of look we get it you're you, the two of you are working out the parts and at different times one of you has no idea what's going on and then the other one does and then the other one has no idea what's going on but suddenly the other one does it's as if you and i tried to build a car together and at one moment i'd be like frank where do the wheels go and he'd be like oh they go here and then the next second i'd be like oh well the carbonator goes here though it's like wait hold on what is this random mix of knowledge that the two of you have? But hey, it works out because you have just enough knowledge that you've managed to make a high-functioning car as a result. Yeah, I, parts of the episode weren't great. But then most of Boba Fett, to me, is really, really boring. Like the three episodes with the Tusken Raiders. I mean, I, I can't I can't do an hour and a half of them going... Ur, 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 
like that just does nothing for me. I'm sorry. It's so stupid. And I, I get yeah. they're, they're trying to do some character development, but they could have done that in 10 minutes versus four episodes of he gets, he, he learns how to become a member of a community. Okay. We get it. <laughs> let's, let's be real. I think this, I think I've seen six of the episodes of the season so far, maybe seven. I think there's only six out. I think this is, oh, okay. So yeah, I guess I'm caught up. I think all of those episodes could be combined into, let's say two episodes. I think everything we've seen yeah. so far, like if you cut out all the fat, it's two episodes of still not super compelling TV, but at least then you would feel as if things were like super long car chase scenes, like the, with the weird fifties motorcycle <laughs> hovercraft things crew. Yeah. That's a weird addition. So I'm here. I, I here, here's yeah. how I'll explain why you're correct. I wa was watching it by myself. Um, and Chris and I had both watched Mandalorian and she really likes Mandalorian. So when I got to episode five, I think it was the first one that was just the Mandalorian that had nothing to do with Boba Fett. I got about 10 minutes in and kind of realized, oh, I think this is literally a, a Mando episode. So I stopped and I said, Carissa, like, let's watch this because you're you're going to you're going to like this because, you know, you don't like the Boba Fett, but you like the Mandalorian. And then she was like, well, I haven't watched any of Boba Fett. And I said, OK, well, here's what's happened. He is now like the crime boss. He's gathered some muscle. And apparently there's these people that want to trade spice on the planet and be really mean to them. And he wants to put an end to it. That's what's happened in four episodes. <laughs> like literally nothing's happened. It took me tense. And she's like, OK, cool. <laughs> and that was it. And you could explain the whole, the first four episodes, which were almost, I think, 45 minute episodes each. And that was it. I, I mean, it's, it was, it's been pointless. Yeah. Not a lot's that happened. No, not a lot has happened. How do we feel also about Timothy Oliphant just deciding he's just a cowboy from now on? I love it. He is, he's <laughs> he just, in, he's full in justified just, once just, upon a time in Hollywood mando deadwood deadwood <laughs> no i mean he's he's yeah. just a cowboy he is a gunslinger and everything and not even trying to be girl next door not not even i find it interesting that it's like you could have watched the original star wars and been like oh i get it this is like a western set in space and then full on now it's like no this is just a western set in a western in like space. There's nothing. They're not even <laughs> hiding it. Yeah. Well, you, but you don't even know yeah. it's in space. It's just with different guns. And weird like looking people. He walks. Yeah. He's he's pretty much dressed like he should have been in a Western. He walks exactly like a sheriff in a Western. You know, like there's nothing about it that is even hiding it. Even the alien is dressed I, in I a guess, Western outfit. Yeah. Yeah. With the bandana and stuff. Um, I mean, ultimately, the issue I have is like. Star Wars is basically a kid's movie. You know, like it's one of those things. And I think my affection for it, not that I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but is because coming from having watched it as a child, I think if I had first had to watch Star Wars as a, in my, a 30 year old, I don't think I, I think I would have thought it was kind of stupid then. But the fact that you kind of grow up with it and so you, you're not picking holes in the plot. And there's this element with, Mandalorian and Boba Fett where I'm now analyzing it as an adult and but I mean this the Boba Fett is just so slow 
I mean, I mean, as we said, just nothing happens. No. And just long scenes of this could have been 30 seconds. And instead we're going to watch like six or seven minutes of you doing something. Yeah. And so for me, the, I think the reason the two Mando episodes were the best is because I'm more invested in the Mandalorian series because I it was first. So you, everyone kind of watched it and you kind of learned to like that. And I feel like the Boba Fett is kind of just like the B version of the Mandalorian. Just It's not as good. But what I liked about Mandalorian is it was kind of that old school. Like I used to tell my dad, the reason I thought my dad would like it was because he loved the original Lost in Space, where it was kind of that Star Trek thing where every episode was its own little story and adventure, and then a new thing would happen. And that's kind of what Mandalorian, for the most part, was doing, was each episode was he'd fight this guy, then he'd have to go rescue that person. And that's cool. It's like there's a story building, but there's also these individual stories, and that was fun. But then Boba Fett did like neither of those. It has like no long story and it really has no smaller story. It's like they tried to combine two stories from different times, but they're not good stories. And it it just wasn't anything. But I just I like the Mandalorian character better than I like the Boba Fett character. I think I don't know. I just yeah, I'm not not a fan here. And I, I, I don't understand uh, what's going on with like how you can have a show about Boba Fett then all of a sudden have two episodes that have nothing to do with it. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> I, I also like, so they're facing this seemingly large army, right? That's coming to trade spikes. Yeah, but they've got seven people. Somehow. <laughs> but yeah, and then like- And a big monster. And also they're like, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll solve the problem. And then she goes off and just gets the Mandalorian. Okay, cool. And then he says, "Don't worry, I know some people." And he's just going to go to Timothy Oliphant, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and get his village. Yeah. And basically, the village, uh, everyone aside from Timothy Oliphant, is totally incompetent. I mean, you remember from the first time around when they had a fight? It's the only reason that they were okay was because of the Mandalorian and Timothy Oliphant. So you're basically saying these are just bodies to get shot at. And let's just hope they shoot them and not the three people who actually know how to use a gun. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, how lucky is it that the other two huts gave Boba Fett this enormous creature that will seemingly just eat everyone when it comes time to it. Man, he got really lucky with that timing gift. <laughs> that is now imprinted yeah, on him. <laughs> and also just allowed him and the Wookiee. Oh, yeah. They just, they just... They just gave him that Man, as well. Man, what a grumpy <laughs> ass <laughs> that guy is. <laughs> they gave him they gave him two thirds of his army just because they couldn't be bothered to take them yeah. away. <laughs> I didn't understand that part. I don't understand why they half ass sent a Wookiee to kill him. It failed, and then it was like, ah, fuck it, we're leaving. <laughs> like, what? And you know what? Take everything. We don't want it anymore. We could have sent this massive creature to eat you, but instead we're going to give it to you as a gift for you to now use on everyone else. But yeah, what a sulky Wookiee that guy is. Man. Yeah. Overall, Boba Fett just, I, I don't, it's not that great. <laughs> and I, I'll watch the end. Yeah, I will, I will. I mean, obviously uh-huh. I'll watch it now that I've started it. The other thing I that's starting to get to me was... Again, Mandalorian doesn't suffer from this because it was the first one. But you had all that nostalgia of like little Easter eggs and little, you know, like, oh, what about this? You remember this from from the original Star Wars? And that was kind of cool. 
but now it's just being just like smashed in your face over and over again. And it's getting to the point where it's like, I don't care anymore. If I have to hear them play any sort of rendition of the fucking Cantina song again, I'm going to break my television. Like, enough. We get well, it. Don't worry. Because we, we got to wit- we got to witness a Star Wars terrorist attack. The, canti- the Cantina is gone. <laughs> I think the Spice Traders felt the same way as you. Because that has no tactical significance at all. And I... It was just. I don't. Why? Let's just get rid of the cantina. Why is the cantina even in the episodes? I don't understand. And why does Boba Fett just keep going there? But then he just walks in and walks out. Yeah. He kind of just walks in, surveys it for a second, and then leaves. He doesn't interact with anyone. The most interaction he's had is with whoever that was, the owner or the manager, trying to talk the Wookiee out. And then he went, nice try, and then just left. After the guy, after the Wookiee had ripped an arm off, yeah. you're like, okay, you're not gonna, you're not gonna stop the Wookiee. You're just here to, you, you showing your presence and force is just you walking in like a creep into a bar. It's just like imagine like the president of the United States trying to reinforce his sort of position, and then he would just randomly walk into a TGI Fridays, stand there for a second, and then leave. <laughs> Be like, okay. Biden's really on top of things. He'd now. walk into that brawl in the uh, Golden Corral and just stare and watch. <laughs> yeah, and then tell one of them, "Hey, nice try." Yeah, I will say, Yellow Jackets is better than both of those. So, <laughs> if you want a show to watch, I'm telling you, Yellow Jackets is great. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm 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 deep into my documentaries. Watched a really good documentary about cricket. For anyone out there who's looking for, uh. Super good, though. And even if you're not interested in the sport itself, it's mostly not about the sport. Well, then what's it about? It is about uh, Alan Stanford, who was an American Oh, is he the founder of Stanford University? No. <laughs> but he was the founder of Stanford... Oh, I don't even know. The College. Rest of the... <laughs> it, was a f... it was a financial group. And... Basically, it was a Ponzi scheme. And he then started spending, he took some, in his attempts to try and increase his political standing and significance around the world, he decided to pump money into cricket in the Caribbean, in particular in Antigua, I think. So he kind of just built built a ton of facilities. He was the main employer in Antigua. And... Uh, there was a while where so much of the cricket in the Caribbean was just being found. It was being funded by this sort of random American, seemingly billionaire who had no background in cricket and had just plucked cricket out of kind of the ether and decided that was going to be a sport. And it reached uh, a pinnacle when he organized a match, a T20 match between the Stanford 11, which was kind of the best West Indian T20 players at the time, and the England T20 cricket team. And it was a one match, winner takes all, the winning team, each player got a million dollars. Was Chris Gale on the team? Chris Gale was on the West Indian team, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. I know how this ends. And, <laughs> and, and the loser got nothing. And, um, and yeah, 
So the the documentary is called The Man Who Bought Cricket. But it, it, even if you're not interested, and it's a three-part documentary, like a three-part series, each episode is like 40 minutes. Even if you're not interested in cricket, it's just kind of an interesting story about the Ponzi scheme and kind of his background and just, uh, you know, he was a big like confidence man and fraudster. So it's kind of that side of it's interesting. The cricket is kind of a secondary story, but then tied into it, you have what I do like is all the cricketers they're interviewing, even though they definitely wanted to win the million dollars each. Just talking about how, yeah, it started to feel a little bit uncomfortable. It did feel as if we were kind of selling our souls to this guy. It's like, yeah, it definitely didn't in the moment. But now that with hindsight, you know that he was running a Ponzi scheme and this was all <laughs> really, really bad. Yeah. Now you definitely need to come out and say, yeah, I didn't feel good about it at all. Yeah, I guess the loss in all this TV watching is I just don't watch movies anymore. I, mean, I don't know if you count documentaries as movies, but we watched The Eternals, which was not very good, unfortunately. And I don't know the last movie I've seen besides that. We're going to have to come up with another alter ego for when we talk about TV shows and movies. Well, maybe this is a good opportunity then, Eddie, to tell our listeners if they have any good names for our alter ego of our entertainment side of the podcast to give us a shout on Instagram or Twitter and yes. make sure you follow our social media accounts. Yeah, search for us on and YouTube. And obviously, if you're listening to this episode, but you're not a subscriber, subscribe. And if you are a subscriber and you enjoy it, tell a friend. Do and leave, word leave of some mouth. feedback. Give us some iTunes ratings here. Even if it's bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> make it up and then tell us secretly yeah. that it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Give us five stars, but then you can send us an email and be really mean. <laughs> Say it's opposite day and give us a positive review. I'll and tell you then, what. Yeah. I'll do one that another podcast used to do. If you leave a review, we'll give you a personal shout out on the podcast. Really? Yeah. What if we suddenly have thousands of new reviews? Then you know what? That's great. And we can take five minutes really quick and I can say as fast as I can their names and we can time it. I also, I mean, the issue we have here, which I kind of revealed to you off recording the other day we have people listening to our podcast through, I think it was something like 15 or 16 different podcast platforms. So I'm definitely not monitoring the reviews on all of those. I don't even know. Major. Even We're talking major ones here. Apple, Spotify, leave a review. So I don't think, I'll give you a shout I out. Don't think you can rev- I don't think you can review stuff on Spotify. Well, I then Apple, Apple podcasts is, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Google Podcasts, I think you can review stuff on. Even if you don't listen on Apple, you can still go to Apple Podcasts and yeah. leave us a review. And if you Take don't have an iPhone, go buy, go buy an iPhone. Or just go to apple.podcast.com. <laughs> yeah. Now, go buy an iPhone. But yeah, big weekend coming up. Friend of the podcast coming to Paris to watch the Super Bowl. Ollie uh, making an appearance in Paris for the first time since... I mean, the last time he was here was just before the pandemic for the Niners Chiefs Super Bowl. And also we went to a Six Nations match, then the France-England Six Nations match. And then a week later, the world was in turmoil. Will you will you and Ali be seeing former friend, now enemy of the podcast, Sam? <laughs> he says so. 
he so Ollie's arriving on Thursday night, so we'll be out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be a, a tough few days for my liver. Not a lot of sleep, a lot of drinking. Ollie also wants to, listeners of the podcast will remember that several McDonald's food challenges have been mentioned at times on the podcast. I think Ollie wants to try and do one at some point uh, during this trip. The thing I think will hold him back in that respect is, whilst I can definitely see some McDonald's being consumed after a big night out, like a lunch, after a heavy night of drinking, I do not think he will be in a state where he will be able to consume an extremely large amount. The last time he was here, he had one of the worst hangovers I've ever seen a person have. The color of his skin. If you had told me it was a dead body, I would have absolutely believed you. All, all color just had drained out of him. It was quite off-putting. And he was not able to speak for several hours. He was just groaning. It was difficult to be around. And actually on that time, Jake and Sam were also staying with me. We did go to McDonald's. We asked him if he wanted anything. He turned it down. He couldn't eat anything at that point. And then when I came back, I gave him a couple of nuggets Nuggets of wisdom or actual food nuggets? (laughs) Yeah, some pearls of wisdom (laughs) inside some McNuggets. So he he was eventually able. (laughs) (laughs) He was he was eventually able to eat some of that, but yeah, he's. I'll be interested to see if I can get him to that level again. Oh man, that'd be interesting. I want. I am very interested in, in him doing a food challenge. That would be, I'm always up for that to see people try and do food challenges and then about halfway through realize the mistake they've made and agreeing to do a food challenge. <laughs> I mean, we just have to decide what the food challenge would be. So there's a number of different options. I, I know we had the McDonald's challenge that's been mentioned a couple of times, which is what, like a couple, it was like a couple of quarter pounders and a couple of drinks, yeah. fries. That one could be doable. Yeah, there is. I do like Hamish and Andy, who I've mentioned previously on the podcast. They do a McDonald's food challenge or used to, which they called Eat the Board, where between the two of them, they had to eat every item on the McDonald's menu, which I always thought was an interesting challenge. It always ended with them throwing up. They never completed it. <laughs> but And it's it's both more items than you think. And also not as not quite as many as you'd think. Like when it really gets laid out in front of you, it's actually less food than you kind of would imagine, but simultaneously more food than you think McDonald's would offer. And there'd be so many I just wouldn't want to eat. I mean, I have I don't think yeah. I'll ever have any desire to eat the fish sandwich at McDonald's. The fish fillet. Yeah. I've never yeah. The closest I've had to having the fish fillet is the uh, oh no, we had the I had a fish fillet for the first time when I tasted the Tokyo Olympic <laughs> menu they had when they had the fish fillet with wasabi on. See again, this is just a fish fillet. This is Winter Olympics gets no love. There's no Beijing Olympic food things from McDonald's. No one cares about the Winter yeah, Olympics. Where's, where's my sweet and sour McChicken? I mean, the level of effort they put into their Tokyo menu, which was literally like, let's just put a little bit of wasabi on something, and that qualifies as Japanese. We all know the Japanese have a long tradition in fish fillets. 
So it made sense <laughs> just to put a little bit of wasabi on it and you're then honoring their food culture. For and for our listeners who are still listening, uh, for our Super Bowl preview, I am going to do a little bit of a dive into the best foods of the two Super Bowl teams, cities, which unfortunately, I can tell you right now, one team is going to be a clear winner and the other team is going to be a clear loser Doesn't... because it's not fair that one team is in one of the most multi multicultural food cities in the world. And the other is Los Angeles. But <laughs> I mean, here's the issue, though, and to a degree, right? Which is you're gonna when you're talking about LA food culture, you're gonna be thinking of it from obviously how it's it's uh, all of the options available in LA. Not or are you limiting it to things that you would define as being very much LA? Like if I think of this food, I think of LA. That. Yes, I'm not going to say like okay. they have the best pizza place because some guy from Italy moved to LA and and started it. It okay. it has to be a food that was like conceptualized and made popular in LA. Okay. I mean, Cincinnati just has Skyline Chili or whatever it is, right? I think like, isn't so. that their only thing? Well, <laughs> I think that's kind of their only don't thing. Don't want to spoil anything here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just Chili on spaghetti, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Isn't that all it is? It's basically like... No spoiler alert. They've taken, but they've taken the concept of spaghetti bolognese and then been like, let's replace the, the like ragu with chili and then we'll call it Skyline Chili. And my God, have we revolutionized food culture. But you know what? I have learned the hard way. If you ever tell someone from Cincinnati that Skyline Chili is not good, they are furious. That is one of those things where they have they are they have dug their heels in and will insist that it is amazing. Did you learn the hard way because then they made you eat it and you shit your brains out for the next two days? <laughs> I've never had it. I mean, I, on paper, it doesn't sound bad to me. It doesn't sound like I'm going to go out of my way to have it. But chili on spaghetti, it, like, it sounds like something a five-year-old would eat. But it doesn't sound like it's not exciting to me as a concept, but it's fine. So stay tuned for that on our Super Bowl preview. We'll do a little dive into the food. And then we can also discuss, you know, what we think are the best Super Bowl foods. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I still doesn't feel like the Super Bowl is coming up. And this is one of the least compelling Super Bowl matchups I think we've I've ever had in my lifetime I think yeah. it's like people are really trying to struggle to get storylines here beyond isn't it good to have Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl in week in the 13th year of his career and isn't it cool to have Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl so quickly like those are kind of the only storylines they've got well, which I was listening to the Rich Eisen show they had Dan Patrick on and Dan Patrick made the claim that if the Rams win the Super Bowl, then Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Which he's probably right. I, I could see it. He probably, but he shouldn't be. Like, there's no point in the future where I'm going to say, oh, man, <laughs> you know who you should have seen. It's a shame that you weren't alive to see Matthew Stafford. <laughs> like those are words I'm never going to say. 
I might say that about Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, even Russell Wilson. Do you say it about Ben even Roethlisberger? Like, Do you say it about Eli Manning? I probably there's probably some girls in bars where I'd be like, "Whoa, if you'd been alive back then, you would have been flashed by an NFL quarterback." Um, Eli Manning, just for the dumb face, probably. He's at least got that going for him. There's another. I love when teams try and burn Tom Brady and just burn Eli Manning in the process. There was a good uh, little Twitter post that was something like, Tom Brady might think he's the greatest ever, but he lost two Super Bowls to a guy whose favorite color is elephant. (laughs) It's just so good. And it's just a picture of his face, like the classic Eli Manning dumb face. It's just so good. It gets me every time. And you got to give Eli Manning a lot of credit because he has just ridden that and he embraces it to a degree that he knows his face looks weird. Like on the Manning cast, he would make references to his dumb facial expressions. He has dealt with that in the best way possible, which is to kind of mostly rise above it and ignore it. And then also see the funny side of it. And he deserves quite a bit of credit for that because there are definitely some other athletes who would have just raged against it and then things would have escalated because it's kind of always remained a harmless, amusing level of making fun of him. If he had really fought back, it could have got ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of spoiled one of my Super Bowl facts. So I guess I'll say it now as a little teaser into our preview Super Bowl episode next. Joe Burrow will come in the earliest of any number one drafted QB entering the Super Bowl in only his second year. And Matthew Stafford will enter his first Super Bowl the longest time since being drafted number one by any quarterback. So you have both the young, the quickest and the longest to get to a Super Bowl from a number one draft pick. Oh, I should have mentioned this when we were talking about the television. But the last thing I wanted to mention was I just listened to a podcast where they talked about the five best office episodes ever. And I have to say, I did not agree. There was two people. I did not agree with either of their lists. And I was, the only thing that made me happy is all of the episodes were with Michael Scott, which I think has to be a requirement. You can't ever tell me the office was funny once Michael Scott left. It was not there was okay episodes, but there were never anywhere near when Steve Carell was on. So I hate when people were like, could, oh, I like this last season. No, it's terrible. Get out of here. Could I, I, I mean, I enjoyed The Office. I think there were only two genuinely funny main characters in The Office, which is Dwight and Michael Scott. I think every other character, okay. And there's side characters like, who who are funny who appear but in terms of the main people who feature prominently in every episode i think those are the only two who are actually funny characters consistently see i think it depends on what you're defining as funny like i don't think jim necessarily is telling you the best jokes but jim is integral in the way that he is there to have michael and dwight 
have their jokes bounce off him. Like, like his straight man act is what makes Michael and Dwight funny. And the same like with Pam as well. Pam is not that funny, but a lot of the show is funny because of Pam. Did you like Oscar's straight man act? Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the, the thing that upset me the most is neither of them in their top five had the stress relief um, rabies run double episode, which is clearly the number one episode, but they were going more for like sentimental value, you know, in terms of like, Oh, this is the one where Pam and Jim have like their first unofficial date. Like get out of here. Who gives a shit? The office is a comedy and the best was, it had the best cold opener and it was right after the Super Bowl because I remember that. And it's the one where Dwight fakes the fire. And that's one of the most epic cold openings in all of the office. Okay, the, the fire, because I was gonna I was gonna suggest the fire episode. That's the that's the then... opener for the stress relief one. That's like Okay. That's how strong it opens. And it's also the one where then Stanley has because he has the heart attack because of the fire. And then they bring the CPR training in. And, and then he cuts, cuts the face, the face off. off. <laughs> Uh, I, that is that you can't beat that episode. It's so good. Yeah, that one, the stress relief, and then the other double episode of the rabies one. So good. When he hits Meredith with his car, fucking classic. <laughs> but I guess with that, we'll end it for today and get ready for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we'll be back tomorrow, and then if you're listening to this. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe today. <laughs> Maybe yes. we're already there. I mean, depending on, but if if you listen to them on the day of release, we'll be back.